Welcome to Fertility Friendly Food. I'm your host, Stephanie Velarkis, accredited practicing dietitian and nutritionist and director of The Dietologist, an Australian-based practice focused on optimizing fertility through nutrition. This podcast will bring you snack-sized episodes for you to learn, grow, and be inspired by the latest research, facts, and practical lifestyle tips about eating well for optimal fertility, helping you cut through the confusion and myths to take back some of the control on your fertility journey, one bite at a time. Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to share something with you. I know that trying to conceive can be a time filled with equal parts hope and stress, but did you know studies have found positive correlations between mindfulness and stress for women who have experienced miscarriage as well as those doing IVF? Expectful is a meditation and mental health app for every stage of your fertility journey and beyond. With over 1,600 meditations, including special collections for cycle tracking whilst trying to conceive, going through IVF and pregnancy loss. Seriously, this app has so much for your mental health as you are trying to conceive, and it was designed by a team of fertility and perinatal experts, holistic wellness practitioners, and mums who have experienced it all. There are expert-led daily events and live Q&As with fertility coaches, courses geared towards guiding you along your personal fertility path, and the most calming of meditations designed to support you in trying times like the two-week wait. I've been trying out Expectful over the last few weeks and I have been absolutely loving their sleep uh, soundscapes and sleep stories to help me get into a deep slumber right away as I'm trying to prioritize my own mental and physical well-being as I get prepared to freeze my eggs. And I especially love that the app grows with you as you walk through pregnancy into postpartum and motherhood um, and beyond. So Expectful's free seven-day trial is a no-brainer for you to give it a try, and you can use the code DIETOLOGIST25OFF, that's DIETOLOGIST25OFF, either on the app or at expectful.com. You'll get 25% off your annual membership after the free seven-day trial, or you can go to expectful.com today to start your free trial or download on the App Store or Google Play Store to get started. That is expectful, E-X-P-E-C-T-F-U-L dot com. All right, let's get into today's episode. Okay, on to today's episode of Fertility Friendly Food. It's a solo one and it's something a little bit different. And to be honest, not really nutrition focused, but related to the topic of fertility. And I guess as well, it's a little bit of a personal share for me as well, but I'm going to try and keep it general and broad. And then I'll talk a little bit about my own story towards the end. So I wanted to talk today about fertility anxiety. And before we go any further, nothing in this episode is a diagnosis or relates to clinically diagnosed mental health concerns like like anxiety. Please see your GP and psychologist for support and advice if you are concerned about your mental health. And we've left links to mental health resources down below in the show notes as well. 
But I see a lot of anxiety around fertility in our virtual clinic at the dietologist. And it's something that I personally have started to experience as well. And I recently opened up a little bit and shared a bit about that and um, as part of my why am I freezing my eggs story over at the dietologist Instagram page, which is at the underscore dietologist, if you're not following already. I'll get more into that in a moment. But first, I want to kind of define fertility anxiety. Um, it's not a real term as in it's not a clinical diagnosis. It's just something that I've kind of coined. Um, and I've been doing some reading and one of the articles that I was reading coined it baby panic, which I feel like is maybe slightly more dramatic than fertility anxiety in my readings. So it's a phenomenon that many people do experience. And whilst I think it is a pretty solid assumption that females carry the brunt of this burden of fertility anxiety, I have had conversations with a number of males who feel similarly about their ability to potentially father a child one day when they're ready. And they feel nervous that potentially that may not go as they had envisaged either. So I don't think we can completely exclude males from this conversation either. And so I just wanted to note that, but that's very anecdotal from my experience. From an article in the ABC that I was reading in preparation for this podcast episode, a clinical psychologist by the name of Bronwyn Lee notes that, quote unquote, baby panic is anxiety usually experienced by women around their biological clock and whether they can satisfy a desire to have a baby. She goes on to say that there are two key groups, those who are trying to actively trying to have a baby, but there is a question mark about whether it's possible. And the second being those who want to have a baby, but not yet, or those who aren't sure if they want to have children and feel pressure to decide before it's too late. And either way, I think this is centered around the tidbit that our age is the most predictive factor of our ability to conceive easily and have a healthy baby. Although I will say there are so many exceptions to this narrative. I see them all the time in my work. So if you're listening to this as someone who is older or concerned, uh, I just want to keep this conversation very generic and broad. There are very many episodes where I talk about things that you can do aside from your age to help enhance your chances. So go back to the beginning of this podcast and listen from the start. But I am probably focusing a little bit more on people who are yet to be in a space where they're ready to conceive. So feeling the pressure as a 20-something or a 30-something-year-old woman about your ability to procreate. We experience this pressure externally from the media our often well-meaning family and friends, and of course, internally too. I mean, I know many of us have a vision of our goal timeline of how life will pan out in terms of career or travel or relationships or children. I'm guilty of this as well. And life almost always has other plans for us, right? But could we class fertility anxiety as a form of health anxiety, which is absolutely very real? And this is defined as having an idea that you have a serious but undiagnosed medical condition or have excessive worry about having a medical condition of which infertility or other reproductive health concerns can absolutely fall into. And it's not necessarily that you don't have these concerns, but you have a high degree of worry that occupies your mind about having these concerns. 
In this article that I was reading, the author claims that being anxious about your fertility should be classed as a healthy type of anxiety, which I'm not sure how to feel about, to be honest. On the one hand, if it helps people who are experiencing this concern to discuss their desires for children, explore their fertility status proactively, consider options like fertility preservation, egg freezing, for example, that seems like a really clever proactive and potentially reassuring thing to do to help ease some of that anxiety. Anxiety around this stuff really sucks, but if you can take some productive action, can really help you feel a little bit more in control, even though there aren't ever any guarantees in life. Even if you freeze your eggs, it doesn't absolutely positively mean you will absolutely get a baby if you want one, but it certainly gives you a backup option with younger presumably healthier eggs and an opportunity that you may be able to fall back on if and when the time came that you wanted to use those. On the other hand, having a bit of hustle when it comes to your fertility goals is probably decently wise given what we know about fertility declining from around our mid-30s and further in our late 30s. Now, a lot of clients that I speak to have this vision that the day of their 35th birthday that their ovaries are just starting to shrivel up and die, but it's actually not a a jump off the cliff. It's obviously a gradual change, but As we approach these kind of key milestone ages, often these thoughts, if we haven't yet started trying yet or we're not in a position to try or we want the option to one day, that often I'm seeing a lot of people thinking about their fertility um, and trying to take some proactive action, but the earlier, the better. And I think the media is really good at painting the stories of celebrities who are able to conceive in their early to mid 40s or even their late 40s, but often they're not necessarily showing what is going on behind the scenes, maybe, and everybody's story is their story. So I don't expect celebrities to share how they were able to make this happen. But for many, it involves extensive fertility treatments, uh, losses, tears, money, um, and even the use of donor eggs, sperm, and embryos or surrogates to make this dream a reality. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. For many people, when it comes to building a family, some people can find it really hard to let go of what they envisage starting a family would look like. And the sad truth is when I've asked those who are experiencing delays to conception what they would go back in time and tell themselves if they could about their fertility, it almost always is something along the lines of, start sooner than you think you need to, or freeze your eggs, or get yourself checked out earlier if you feel like something is off, or just because. And I don't think that kind of rhetoric can be completely ignored either, because these are people with lived experiences, and none of us have time machines where we can go back in time. And so procrastinating on whether to start trying, or whether you should do something about it, like getting a fertility assessment done with a fertility doctor, or progressing with the intention to freeze your eggs, isn't helping us either. Like we can't just sit back and do nothing because that's just making the anxiety fester as well. So whilst there's no perfect solution that's going to guarantee exactly what we want, we can take some proactive steps and that usually helps to abate some of this anxiety as well. So I do find a lot of people are in this really yucky spot because at the end of the day, all this stuff occupies so much mental space 
especially if you're pretty confident that you do want to have children one day, or at least if you're not so confident that you want an option if you wanted to. And you want to set yourself up to have those best options available to you so you can make that happen. But you also don't know whether you're taking things quote unquote too far and over investing your time, mental and physical energy, and sometimes money into something you may never need to consider or use when the time comes around. And that's the thing. There is no conclusive test to tell you, hey, Sarah, you can conceive, no problem. That's right. There are lots of tests that can give us a clue, an insight, an idea of risk factors, how many fertile years you've got left and other aspects, but none of those can guarantee that you will struggle to conceive or that you won't. In my experience, it is very rare to have a complete what's called primary infertility diagnosis where there's just no way that you can, you can have a baby without some form of help from a doctor unless there's a history of cancer, there's structural issues, like maybe you've lost um, part of your reproductive organ anatomy or there's um, genetic issues and other less common reasons. But there's always a realm of possibility and we can't rely on our <laughs> potential reduction in fertility diagnoses as contraception. Very important. Do not use your PCOS, your endometriosis, your thyroid dysfunction, your hypothalamic amenorrhea as a form of contraception because all of those things are not going to guarantee 100% that you don't conceive because you never know what day you could randomly ovulate from recovering from HA. You never know with PCOS when you will ovulate. With endo, it could just be a random month. You know, none of these things are 100% uh, inhibitors to fertility in most circumstances. And again, I'm talking very generally, obviously, if you've been told something else by a trusted healthcare provider, please heed that advice. But I'm just saying very broadly, a lot of people are being told that you're going to have trouble conceiving. And really, that isn't actually potentially accurate advice um, based on the information that you have at hand. You don't know how easy or hard it might be to conceive until you start actually trying whatever that looks like. So I think the other element to fertility anxiety that we don't often factor in is that for many people trying for a baby, which is something that they really want in life, that maybe it's the first time that they're hitting a spot where you were trying to do all the things that are modifiable. You're eating right, you're taking the supplements, you're exercising, you're doing the tests, you're going to the doctor's appointments, you're meditating, you're timing sexual intercourse, all the things. But it's still not magically happening for you, which if you have overachiever syndrome like me is really downright frustrating. You know, there's probably so many times in your life, school, career, maybe even your relationships where you've worked hard, you've put in the work and you get the outcome that you're after. And with fertility, sometimes you can optimize, but it doesn't matter how hard you're working or not working. It can sometimes just not give you the outcome that you want. And that's not to downplay the importance of fertility and preconception optimization. All those things are still important, but none of those things are guarantees is what I'm trying to say. So if that's you listening and you resonate with the overachieving syndrome, 
Whether you're years away from conceiving or in the thick of it now and wondering whether it's ever going to happen for you, I see you and seek support around this, please. It is real and it is relevant. And whilst I agree in part that there are healthy levels of anxiety, being chronically stressed about this and occupying your mental space to the point where it's impacting your well-being, your life, your physical health is a problem and it should be addressed and you deserve to have that mental capacity freed up, okay? So I want to encourage you, if you're listening to this and you're really feeling stuck here and this resonates with you, please go and speak to your doctor, go and see a psychologist and talk it out. Talk with your partner, talk with your friends, talk with your family members and find those trusted people to lean on. Now, I thought I would share a little bit about my own story about starting to feel anxious about my fertility with you all. Um, So it starts from a pretty young age. I was worried about birth, childbirth in particular. And I think it's all the stories of my mum's long labour with me and being overdue and all the rest of it that completely freaked me out. (laughs) And I started to think more about how I could maybe become a parent without needing to go through that because it sounded absolutely torturous to me as a five or six-year-old. So I started to think about adoption, naively, obviously not knowing what the situation is like with adoption and fostering, especially here in Australia. It's incredibly um, limited and, and rare that a kind of permanent placement actually happens. So as I got older, whilst I was pretty steadfast on wanting to become a mother one day, I felt uncertain deep down in my gut whether that would be a simple and straightforward process for me. I hadn't been told my fertility was compromised. I had a few adolescent kind of hiccups with my period being a little bit irregular, but nothing wildly out of the norm for my age. And I didn't really have a logical explanation for how I was feeling. I didn't have you know, a strong family history of infertility. It wasn't something I was seeing a lot of in my life. So I always felt that that gut feeling was very odd and strange and maybe, you know, unwarranted or, you know, falling in the class of kind of that health anxiety. Then, of course, in my early 20s, for those who don't know, I was diagnosed with endometriosis after about five years of symptoms, with the last six months of symptoms being much more intense as I came off the pill. So I was diagnosed December 2019. And at that stage, I think that's when the fertility anxiety really started to take over, although definitely seeds were continuing to be watered as I was working in the fertility and nutrition space. And so I know that getting in early with my endo and removing it was the best move for me personally. And I have all the tools as the healthcare professional that I am of doing what I could proactively do to help preserve my fertility in the future. I got all the right tests done. Um, I got great surgery, but I wasn't and still not at the time of recording at the point of being ready to be a parent, but I wanted that in the future and I wasn't willing to move up that timeline so significantly because I just wasn't in the right space for that. And for for a quick reprieve, fertility statistics for those with endometriosis sit at around 30 to 50% experiencing a delay to conception and most of that demographic will conceive with some assistance such as IVF. So just so you know, endometriosis doesn't mean you automatically have a sentence of infertility. It's just a known factor that I have going into that picture that potentially that might be relevant for me. And I think a particularly unique aspect of my fertility anxiety is the fact that I work in the fertility industry. I know the statistics. I know the risk factors. 
I know what actions I can take, what treatments are available, and some of those I'm starting to take on board. I'm currently preparing to freeze my eggs and I'll be sharing some future episodes about my experiences later in the year after I've experienced it, but it still doesn't bring me any more comfort working in this space because my everyday life and work is revolved around people's fertility stories. And so much of it truly does bring me so much hope, but my heart also does break for those that I work with for what they've had to experience to date. And selfishly, there is a little voice in the back of my head sometimes wondering, will this also be my story one day? And something I'm almost kind of ashamed to even say, and I do want to share in case anyone else feels the same way, because I know when my clients are actively trying to conceive and they're getting invited to their friends' baby showers and pregnancy announcements and gender reveals and all these kinds of things that it is such a tumultuous um, time emotionally because you're feeling so happy for your family member or friend, but also sad for you that it's not your turn. And I will say I've definitely had those feelings, even though I'm not in a space where I actively want to conceive. But when I have had friends around me conceive their babies, whether intentionally or not, I'm, of course, so thrilled for them. And it's not something I want right now, like I said, but I wonder if I will be that friend that will struggle with conceiving in my friend group. And it's not a thought I'm particularly proud of because it's a situation that isn't really about me, but those kinds of events definitely spur on that kind of reflection onto your own life and circumstances. And I think that's decently appreciable and just should be highlighted. So anyway, I felt a little bit, (laughs) um, not embarrassed, but I felt a little bit vulnerable to, I guess, share that with you all because I adore my friends and their children. And I never want them to feel like whatever's going on in their life is hurting me at all. And it's not. It's definitely a me issue. But I sometimes do wonder if I'm going to be that odd one out in, in that regard. So anyway, I am doing something about all these thoughts and getting my eggs frozen. So stay tuned for updates on that. I know that isn't the solution or right step for everyone, but for me, it is going to bring me some reassurance at the stage that I'm at right now. Uh, It's going to bring me some comfort. And yeah, I hope this episode made you feel a little less alone, perhaps. I know it wasn't really practical, but more of a discussion. But if this did resonate with you, I would love for you to connect with me via DM on Instagram. It's at the underscore dietologist and share your perspective and thoughts with me. If you think you know someone who could benefit from listening to this episode or the pod in general, share it and don't forget to hit follow or subscribe and leave a rating and review. This is a completely free way that you can help support the podcast. We are so appreciative. And don't forget to check out the Expectful app and the code in the show notes as well. I'll catch you in the next episode, everyone. Bye.